I kind of had a crush on Miley Cyrus. And, um, you know, just watching her evolve through the years. Uh, she's a very, she's a very fascinating person. And I think it'd be really interesting to meet her one day. Um, but recently she's come out. And this is one thing I like about Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus is someone who's just going to tell you. She's just going to say it. And I've, I've always respected people who do that. I don't respect everything that she does. Um, but I appreciate her honesty here. Um, Miley Cyrus has come out. And she's opened up about her sobriety struggles. This is from uh, Yahoo. Miley Cyrus is opening up about her sobriety journey. After revealing in June she's six months sober, the singer admitted to slipping amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, I, like a lot of people, being completely honest, during the pandemic fell off and felt really a lot of... And I would never sit here and go... Oh, I've been effing sober, Cyrus explained to Zane Lowe on Apple's Music, uh, New Music Daily, according to Jess Jared. I didn't, and I fell off, and I realized that I am now back on sobriety, two weeks sober, and I feel like I really accepted that time. Cyrus added, one of the things I've used is, don't get furious, get curious. So don't be mad at yourself, but ask yourself, what happened? The singer who turned 28 on Monday called her slip an F-up. Because I'm not a moderation person, and I don't think that everyone has to be uh, effing sober, she continued, I think everyone has to do what is best for them. I don't have a problem with drinking. I have a problem with the decisions I make once I get past that level of, even into, I've been wanting to wake up 100%, 100% of the time. Cyrus called herself very disciplined. Uh, That's why it's never been easy, but it's pretty easy for me to be sober or in and out of sobriety because it's like the day... I don't want to effing do it anymore. I don't, she added. The day that I do, I do, you know? But when I don't, but when I don't want to, it just is. I'm just very disciplined. Uh, the prisoner, songstress, said she spent the last year in a reflective state. 27 to me was a year that I really had to practice myself, she noted. That actually really made me want to get sober because, was because we've lost so many icons at 27. Uh, that's true. You know, you have Amy Whitehouse, Amy Winehouse, uh, legendary, uh, Kurt Cobain, who to me is extraordinarily overrated, but he's part of that 27 club. Uh, I think Jimi Hendrix is part of that club. Um, yeah, you have a lot of greats. That's part of that 27 club. It's a very pivotal time. You go into that next chapter or this is it for you. I just feel that some of the artists that uh, almost couldn't handle their own power and their own energy and their own force. It's an energy. I, no matter what, was born with that. So, I want to talk about this because this is extraordinarily important. Right now, um, we are in, a, they like to call it a pandemic, okay? Um, I don't really see it like that. You know, I, I have a great relationship with my doctors and I've talked to a lot of doctors and to, a, and to a lot of nurses during this time and uh, even, you know, even before. And they say, you know, there's a lot of things that people die from and, and it's just not really counted. 
my doctors have told me, you know, this is a, this is a form, this is a, a severe form of the flu. And that, you know, this is born, blown away out of proportion. Let me just do some, some quack, some quick math for you. Okay. So, currently, there are, let's look at, let's look at the COVID numbers right now. There are 12,591,165, uh, confirmed, uh, cases. Okay. There are 259,925 deaths. Okay. So, if you take the number of deaths and divide it by the confirmed cases, so 259,925, and divide that by 12,591,165, you will get 0. 0.02. Zero six four three four four three two. What does that mean? Of the number of cases, two percent of those people have died. Two percent. And by by the way, this is this is amongst people who you know. This is amongst. So if you take the, the deaths, they these are considered. You know, they're just. Uh, attributing it to COVID. And there's a, a, the vast majority of these people, it's not just COVID related. There's, you know, they have other factors that's dealing with this. Again, COVID is, is a severe form of the flu. So what's going on right now? I want to talk about Miley Cyrus's whole thing where she's opening up and talking about how she's she messed up and how she's, you know, she's gone back to something that she didn't want to do. And that's what a lot of people, that's what a lot of people are going through right now. Alcoholism is up. Depression is up. Suicide is up. These are very, very serious things. These are very serious factors that greatly affect people's lives. We can't just sit at home and just avoid each other. We have to interact. We have to go back to doing what it is that we do. See, what, what this whole, this, this whole COVID-19 quote unquote pandemic, um, that's, that it's, it's not about keeping you safe. It's not about keeping me safe. It's about stripping, slowly stripping away your rights and my rights, your freedoms and my freedoms. It's about government expansion. The government has been expanding. And it's been happening right under our noses. And they're just slowly saying, well, you can do this, you can't do this, you can do this, you can't do this. The government is intervening on what you and I can do in our personal lives. They're intervening on what we can do at Thanksgiving. They're intervening, intervening on where we can go, when we can go, how many people we can be around, uh, just, just our daily activities. We're not breaking the law. We're just, we're just trying to go about our daily lives. So let's, let's, let's look at this. So 2%, 2%, you have, 
you have a very, very, very low chance of dying from this. You just, you just, it's just true. Okay. I know it has, it has to be about 30 ish people, about 30 people who, who I, who I personally know that have had negative, that have had positive COVID tests. All of them are fine. All of them are alive. I talked to, I talked to, this is just, this is just one of them. I remember back in April, um, I was talking to, I was talking to one of my friends and he was, you know, he was asking me how I was recovering and stuff like that. And then, you know, the conversation went back to, we went, you know, we started talking about him and he said, he said, yeah, man, you know, I, I got tested for COVID and I said, oh, okay, what happened? He said, well, it came back positive. And I said, oh, uh, you know, are you good? Are you Okay your family okay he's like yeah i'm fine man he's like it's just you know you know i can't i can't really taste my, i can't really smell but i'm fine i'm not you know i'm not bedridden i can still do things i can still do my daily schedule i can i still work out you know i'm still getting my homework done all this i mean that's that's just that's just that's just what it was You know, I, I talked to some of you and some of you send, send me stuff about, you know, COVID related, um, you know, topics and how some of you guys have tested positive. The worst, uh, I've talked, I've talked to people and they said, well, the worst thing that ha- what happened to me, and this is the worst case scenario is that, uh, you know, I pretty much had to be in bed for like two weeks and I was just super tired. I was super groggy. Um, couldn't taste, uh, my head was hurting and all that, but they, you know, they said, I'm fine. I work with one person and that's what, that's what he went through. He said, look, I had it. I had it, but I'm fine. This is a severe form of the flu folks. You have a, you have an extraordinarily low chance of dying. And by the way, those numbers was just, you know, the United States, you know, the United States numbers. But these are things that are very, very, these things matter. These things matter. And we, you, you have to look at the data. This is completely absurd. And again, I'm just going to, I'm going to say it. Cases, the number of cases do not matter. Do you realize that there's millions and millions of people who get the flu Every single year around the world. There's millions of people who get the flu every year. Millions don't drop dead from the flu every year. 12, 12, 12 and a half million cases. I'm sure that many people get the flu every year. So what do we do about this stuff? Alcoholism is up. Let me just... Let's just start with, let's start with, uh, alcohol consumption. This is from medicalexpress.com. Alcohol consumption is a common coping response to stress, and historically it has increased in the U.S. following catastrophic events such as terrorist attacks and large scale disasters. 
Considering COVID-19, experts at McLean Hospital have published a Viewpoint article in the Journal of General Internal Medicine that examines potential ways to moderate and reduce rising alcohol consumption in the face of the pandemic. Because the COVID-19 pandemic is no longer lasting and is more extensive than previous traumatic events, with widespread social disruption and isolation, limited social support and access to medical care, and negative domestic global economic impacts, it could have an even greater effect on population-wide alcohol use. We hope this article will call attention to the pandemic's effects on alcohol use and offer mitigating approaches to this underrecognized public health concern said co-author Don E. Sugarman, Ph.D., a research psychologist in the Center of Excellence in Alcohol, Drugs, and Addiction at McLean Hospital. The article stresses that public health messages should include education about managing stress and anxiety without using alcohol, drinking within safe limits, during physical distancing, and social isolation, and knowing with an individual when an individual ought to be concerned about themselves or someone else. You know what? Here, here, here's a solution. Here's a solution to to having drinking go down. Put people back to work. Open up the economy. Let people go back and do what it is that they do. That I I guarantee you, if you do that, if you just let, if you just leave people alone, and you let you let this happen. You let people, you let people do what they usually do. I guarantee you drinking goes down. I guarantee you depression rates go down. I guarantee you suicide rates go down. I guarantee it. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Right now, people are being very relatively idle. Some people are still working, but a lot of them are working at home. And when you're at home, you can get into, you can get into some bad behaviors. That's just what people do. Work gives people meaning. It gives you meaning. It gives me meaning. You know, it's very interesting. If you go back to Genesis 3, with, with, with the fall of man, and God is pretty much handing out punishments to Adam and Eve and, um, and Satan. Uh, uh, the serpent, the serpent. He's handing out punishments and he looks, Adam's punishment is specifically, okay, you're going to struggle. You're going... Eat. Actually, let's go back to before Genesis 3. The reason God created man was to was for him to work. There was no one to tend the garden. That's why God created man. To work. Meaning, work gives you and I meaning. So it's extraordinarily important. And people aren't able to work right now. There's a lot of people laid off. And I thank God every single day. Every single day for my job. I, I mean, I mean, I do not take it for, I do not take it for granted at all. Yeah, there's some days that I don't want to do it. But I, I thank God that I have a job. I feel like I have meaning. It's, you know, okay, I have this to do. I have to wake up. I have to get ready. I go to work and then, you know, I put in the hours. I put in the time. I interact with people and then, um, you know, I interact, I interact with my coworkers. I come home and then I get ready for the next day. It helps, it helps me have meaning. 
It helps me, to be honest, stay out of trouble. You leave people, you leave someone to their own devices for 24 hours. Just, just leave them in isolation for 24 hours. See what happens to that person. I guarantee that person will do at least one or two things that they, you know, regret doing. They're like, ah, I wish I had something to do. So that way I, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't do those behaviors. If I just had something to do, if I had something to occupy myself, I wouldn't have gone down that road. Let's look at depression. U.S. cases of depression have tripled. Tripled. T-R-I-P-L-E-D. During the COVID-19 pandemic. A large study finds a dramatic increase in the number of adults in the U.S. reporting symptoms of depression during the COVID-19 pandemic. The number of adults experiencing depression in the U.S. has tripled According to a major study, researchers estimate that one in four U.S. adults now report experiencing symptoms of depression. Before the pandemic, eight and a half percent of U.S. adults reported being depressed. Listen to this. That number has risen to 27.8. Almost three in 10 adults, U.S. US adults, have reported being depressed. Now, that's not, that's not saying that these people have depression. Because remember, there is, a, there is a difference between feeling depressed and having depression. You're going to feel depressed at some point in your life. When I was in the hospital, I was feeling depressed. I did not have depression, but I was feeling depressed. When I was on the mend and I was on dialysis during January, I was depressed. I, was, I didn't have depression, but, you know, these are people who are not, feel, they're not feeling themselves. They're not feeling their best they are not being their best because feeling depressed limits you professor sandro galia a dean at boston university school of public health is a senior author of the study depression in the most general population after prior large-scale traumatic events has been observed to at most double he notes while reports of depression have increased in response to earlier crises such as the 9-11 attack and spread of Ebola in West Africa, the extent of this recent finding is something new. The study features in the journal uh, JAMA Network Open. The Rockefeller Foundation, Boston University, uh, 3D Commission, and the National Institutes of Health provided funding for the research. Um, to measure the prevalence of depression symptoms among the population, the researchers worked with mental health professionals leading tool for the purpose of for this purpose, the Patient Health Questionnaire 9 or PHQ-9. A total of 5,065 individuals responded to that survey. Although the 2020 survey took place relatively early in the pandemic, by the time it was public, stay-at-home advisories and shelter-in-place orders were in place for about 96% of the public. That's horrible. Rates of depression have tripled. Why are people feeling depressed? Because they cannot do the things that they usually do. They cannot go on dates like they normally would. They cannot go to work like they usually do. They cannot go to basketball games like they usually do. They cannot really go to football games like they usually do. They cannot go to soccer matches. Their kids are not in school. You know, they're trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And they wouldn't have this problem if you just opened up the economy and let people do what they do. 
no, 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 we're trying to keep you safe, stay home, stay in your basements, stay on lockdown, don't move, don't hug grandma, you know, who's, who's that one guy who started talking about wearing masks inside your home, I, I can't, I can't think of his name right now, but the, these are serious issues, folks, these are very, very serious issues. We can't be having this stuff. We can't expect people to just do what it is that they do. And then you take that away from them and expect things to just be fine and dandy. I'm going to be honest. Relatively, compared to compared to these statistics, compared to these numbers, compared to these three factors... I'm not really worried about COVID-19. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about alcoholism. We already know how bad alcohol is. We already know, you know, how, you know, we already know how horrible suicide is. We already know how bad depression is. Miley Cyrus is just one anecdote who's willing to come out and be honest. There's people who, who, they don't want they don't want to have these troubles. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to feel depressed. They don't want to drink. They don't want to smoke. I had a customer. Actually, I've, I've had a few customers. They start. They started smoking. One, one, uh, one guy, he said, man, I haven't smoked in 30 years. He said, but this, this pandemic, it's, it's made, it's, it's, you know, it's been a huge factor in me starting again. He said, yeah, I had stresses of everyday life. He said, but I, I learned how to manage them. But with this, I, 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 I don't know what to do. And so he said, I, I, I went back to a habit from 30 years ago when he was a teenager. He hasn't smoked in 30 years. And now he's starting to smoke and he said, man, I, you know, I got him the pack of cigarettes and he just, he just shook his head, man. He said, he said, I don't, I don't know what else to do. He said, I don't want to do this, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get through this. I'm trying, you know, there's a lot of people struggling right now, man. And sometimes I just hear people, man, and it, 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 it breaks my heart. This is not good. This is seriously not good. And what, what what's happened, man, is people have really they 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 don't know what to do because it doesn't seem like there's going to be an end to this. I remember telling you guys, you know, you know, it's gonna it's gonna come to an end. This this too shall pass. And to be honest, I really thought it would. Not really like a miracle where it would just completely and totally just disappear and no one and COVID would just fade into the ether. But pretty much, you know, I said, okay, well, COVID's going to, you know, it's going to be a thing, but it's like the flu and people were, you know, we're just going to get an understanding of it. Once we get an understanding of it, we're going to reopen and then everything's just going to go back. And that hasn't happened. People can't go to amusement parks still, you know, you're not really supposed to go see grandma. Uh, a curfew, which by the way, I don't know what a curfew is even supposed to do. COVID, 
pretty sure COVID does not have to sleep, but then again, I could be wrong. Suicide. Trends in suicide during the COVID-19 pandemic. As many countries face new stay-at-home restrictions to curb the spread of COVID-19, there are concerns that rates of suicides may increase or have already increased. Several factors underpin these concerns, including a deterioration in public mental health, a high prevalence of reported thoughts and behaviors in self-harming among people with COVID-19, problems accessing mental health services, and evidence suggesting that previous epidemics such as SARS in 2003 were associated with a rise in deaths by suicide. Widely reported studies modeling the effect of COVID-19 pandemic on suicide rates predicted increases ranging from 1% to 145%, largely reflecting variation in underlying assumptions. Particular emphasis has been given to the effect of the pandemic on children and young people. Numerous surveys have highlighted that their mental health has been disproportionately affected relative to older adults, and some suggest an increase in suicidal thoughts and self-harm. And so, you know, people try to say, well, there's telemedicine. Listen, listen to me. Telemedicine, telemedicine is a beautiful thing. It's a, thank God for technology. Seriously, it's a wonderful thing. But there are some things technology cannot fix. See, being, see, listen, FaceTiming someone and looking at that person actually face to face, it's different. Your brain reacts differently. Your body reacts differently. Just, you know, just, you know, shaking someone's hand or getting a hug from someone. It, it seriously changes those things. Because you realize I can FaceTime as many people as I want, but I still realize that person is still somewhere else and I'm over here. I'm still in a way, alone. In a way, I'm still by myself. Yes, I can talk to someone. But, but, but having someone's presence there is a huge, it's a huge difference. Calling someone on the phone and sitting next to them, you know, on the couch are two different things. They are two different things. You know, I look at I look at churches, man. A lot of them, they're they're closed. We're just, you know, we're you know, I we're, we watch it on TV, and that's it. There's no fellowship. There's no breaking of bread. There's no communication. There's no hugging. There's no, hey man, how you doing? There's no, you know, let, you, you know, the ladies are like, you know, they can't go get their nails done together. You know, you can't go out to eat after, cause that's, that's a common thing. Um, after church, you know, you go to church, you go get something to eat afterwards. And you, you know, you talk, you talk about the service, you talk about the worship, you talk about what's coming up, you talk about things that are happening in your life. That fellowship is huge, but that's not happening, folks. This is serious stuff, man. This is serious stuff. And the biggest problem is that the government is just slowly expanding. Governments are not supposed to be intervening on your personal lives. It's not, that's not the role of government. 
This is a severe form of the flu if you get, and by the way, that's if you get all the symptoms. Most of the people that I talk to, and most of the things that I see, most people are asymptomatic. They're like, bro, I'm fine. I tested positive, but I'm fine. You know, I, you know, I don't feel sick. I don't, I didn't lose my sense of taste. I didn't lose a sense of smell. I don't have a headache. I can still work. I can still stand. I can still drive. I can still do the things that I need to do. I just happen to test positive. This is not good, man. This is seriously not good. And we have, we have to get back. We have to get back to doing what it is that we do best. Let people go back to work. Let people start going on regular dates again. Let people go back to church. Let people go back to fellowshipping. Let people go back to doing the things that they need to do and that they love to do. I guarantee you, I guarantee you these problems, they don't disappear. But I guarantee you suicide rates drop. I guarantee you depression rates drop. I guarantee you alcoholism drops. I guarantee those three those three things happen. People must work. People must fellowship. That's just what people... We are social beings. We're social beings. And when you remove the ability, the ability to socialize, and by the way, let me say this. That's another reason I, I appreciate going to work and I thank God for work because I'm able to socialize with other people. I'm able to socialize with customers. I'm able to laugh. I'm able to, you know, converse. It's fun. It, it, going to work. It feels good because you get to, I get to interact with people. That's another reason people wish they could, they could go back to work because that's their social hour. That's where they get to communicate. That's where they get to have fun. That's where they get to, uh, discuss things. That's where they get to laugh. You work eight hours, you work eight hours a day. You work about 40 hours a week. That's a, that is a third of your life. And you've removed that from people and you, you've told people, stay home, stay in your basements, stay locked up, don't be out past 10 p.m., don't go to church, don't go to the bar, don't go to the gym, don't go get your nails done, because if you do, you're, you're just, you're, you know, you're going to have a very quiet Thanksgiving, there's going to be less people to talk to, there's going to be less people to talk to at Christmas, because someone is going to be six feet under. This is a message of negativity. This message is evil. This message is flat out wrong. And that is a huge issue. We must get back to doing what it is that we do. Best.